This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Angel Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, and my lovely mom, Carmen Furrow. As we always say, our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see our identity through God's eternal purpose, to equip believers to live with an eternal perspective as they passionately pursue their upward call in Christ, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, Dad, yesterday I know we started into breaking the addiction of time, but we didn't get all the way through it, and so this is going to be another second parter. And yep. uh, like I said yesterday, we're going to accelerate right into the <laughs> right into it. So uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and take over. Okay. Well, hopefully we will accelerate enough today <laughs> to get through this session, which is now the second part of breaking the church's addiction to time. And uh, the purpose of these episodes is to say, if God is calling the church into intensified uh, action and we are accelerating and hastening the day of the Lord, uh, we are running forward to meet the Lord in, in his appearing. Then we have to identify the things that are uh, trapping the church in what I call time traps or time warps where we're just stuck. We're, we're stuck in uh, cyclical patterns of living yeah. that delay us from kingdom advancement and from a real acceleration in growth and maturity in the church. Now, yesterday's episode, we finished in Romans chapter 8. And Paul said this. He said, the sons of God are led by the Spirit. And he said, we have been liberated from a spirit of bondage. We've defined that term bondage as two words that are married together, a chain to an age, yeah. a, a tie to a specific period of time that God wants to set us free from. He wants us to partake and taste of the age to come. And as we partake of that which is coming and the Holy Spirit leads the sons and daughters of God into that foretaste of where he is taking us in Christ, we're being liberated from what has bound us to this age. Now, I want to define, uh, if I can, uh, the best way I can, the term age. The age, or the word age, is a specific period of time that is marked by certain characteristics, conditions, or a climate that determines the behavior of those living in that period. I'm going to repeat that again for emphasis. An age is a period of time that is marked by certain characteristics, conditions, or a climate that determines the behavior of those that live in that period of time. And this is how culture develops. Really, when you have a certain climate, when you have certain conditions, when you have certain characteristics that earmark that age, this is how culture develops. So I like to use this, hopefully it's humorous uh, analogy, but I've often used it to illustrate how that uh, culture is determined by climate. Yeah. 
So we would think that if somebody January 30th flew from Fairbanks, Alaska, and they were dressed in their Alaskan attire, maybe they have heavy insulated boots, maybe they have the fur cap, the parka, insulated underwear, insulated clothing, a lot of layers on. And if they arrived in Miami airport, you know, took a cap, a taxi, because the guy said, take me directly to the beach. And he just got out on the beach in his Alaskan winter, Fairbanks winter, Alaskan attire. The people there on Miami beach would go, is this guy mentally unstable or is he an alien? We yeah. we would we would have people calling in to the government and the police and they say, we think that we're being invaded by aliens because I saw an alien on the beach. Well, why would we think it would be so strange for somebody to wear winter attire on the beaches of Miami when probably the temperature is going to be between 70 and 80 degrees? Uh, because... The climate is determining the culture. So when we see people in Miami, you know, the iconic pictures of the attire of men in Miami are the loose fitting Panama shirts, Bermuda shorts. They're in flip flops. They're dressed casual, but they have to have clothing that allows them to handle the tropical heat, uh, to handle the humidity. Now, if I took that same person from Miami who's walking along the beach in his Panama shirt and Bermuda shorts, and I transported him instantly to Fairbanks, Alaska uh, in the middle of winter, we know he would not survive if he was left outside. Yeah. Uh, he would he would need to get out or he would have extreme frostbite or freeze to death and have hypothermia. So how we live, our culture is determined um, by our climate. But climate is determined by conditions on the ground. But as I've said, culture emerges from climate. And then our culture begins to form and develop traditions. Now, I want to talk just a little bit about cultural traditions. If traditions come out of culture... Traditions aren't necessarily a bad thing because they're formed to celebrate our victories of survival. Yeah. Uh, they're formed to reinforce behavior. Don't wear the parka and the moon boots when you're in Miami. <laughs> you're you're going to die of dehydration. And if you're wearing Bermuda shorts and a Panama shirt and now you've relocated to Alaska, you need to invest in some winter gear and winter clothing. So it reinforces survival behaviors. They celebrate moments of victory of survival, victories of, hey, we made it in this period of time with these type of uh, conditions and these characteristics. They establish patterns of what is normal, normal behavior, and they reinforce that. And they also allow us to have milestones of a normalcy in patterns of of life. Traditions function to preserve what was, to reinforce what was. So you're saying traditions can be a good thing. 
Traditions are a good thing. And matter of fact, we have apostolic instruction from Paul that tells us to keep the traditions that the apostles gave to us. And so that's why we're practitioners of baptism. That's why we're practitioners of communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance Mm -hmm. of me. Uh, Remembrance is a powerful word. Mm -hmm. It means to reconstruct a previous moment of time. So we take all of the timber and all the parts of that moment of what was done, and we reconstruct Mm -hmm. it, and we, in that moment, recapture the moment and its significance and its meaning. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I want you to preach the gospel in all the nations, and as you preach the gospel and they receive the gospel, I want you in your process of discipling them, I want you to baptize them. In other words, when we baptize them, we're reenacting the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and our identification with Christ in his finished work of our salvation. So tradition is definitely not bad, but tradition can have a dark side. And and that's where we get into time traps. When all of a sudden the tradition that was to reinforce a truth in a moment, to reinforce something of significance and importance, where the tradition takes on a life all of its own, where it becomes the means to an end, uh, or the end in and of itself, excuse me, instead of the means to get us to the end of where God is wanting to take us. Traditions are to be like touchstones. They're to be like milestones, not to keep us there, but to reinforce where we've been, how far God has brought us in the faith journey, and they're to point us to where God is attempting to take us. Now, when we allow tradition to become a time trap, uh, when when we allow a tradition to, to, to envelop us with the dark side of what a tradition can do, it doesn't just preserve where we've been, but it can then develop into something that prevents us from going forward into the uh, future. It can preserve the the past, Mm -hmm. but it can also prevent us from going into the future. It can prevent us as individuals, groups, and even nations from embracing necessary growth processes and changes that could lead us into a preferred future. I, you know, I, I'm middle-aged because I'm going to live to like 150 years <laughs> old, unfortunately for you. Uh, but I'm, be- I'm believing uh, for a long life. With long life, he will satisfy me. But as I've reached middle age, I've lived in a period of time where we've seen accelerated change, specifically yeah. in technology. And so at first you think that, you know, your things that you do and and the technology that you use and and that you figured out become comfortable with that, that you want to preserve it. I don't want to, I don't want this new piece of technology. I don't want to do it that way. But 
as I, I've lived in a generation where technology has accelerated, I can remember when I, the, the momentous milestone when I moved from a flip phone to a smartphone. <laughs> and when I got it, I thought, I will never use many of the features of this phone. Now I found that even though it was a learning and a growth process, I actually can't imagine going back to a flip phone because I need so many of the applications that I use on my smartphone. Now, I want to tell you another funny story. This happened when I was very, very uh, early on in ministry. And uh, he's one of my best friends. And we labored on the same church staff for a while. And I know, Craig, you're probably going to listen to this, but this moment of our life together has shaped this message about being addicted to time. We had gone to a Wednesday night service and, and gone to church. It was midweek. And Craig invited me over to his house for pizza after Wednesday night. And at that period of time, that epic of history, of church history, we would dress up uh, more formally for church, not only on Sunday morning, but normally I wore dress slacks and some type of a dress shirt. Um, and I love the casual culture that we've adapted in church. I love wearing jeans to church uh, today, but back then, you know, um, not so much. <laughs> yeah, 30 some years ago, it, it, it was more formal. And so I can remember me sitting in Craig's front room and he said this. He goes, I'm going to go back in the bedroom and I'm going to slip on something more casual, more comfortable. I didn't know what Craig was going to be wearing when he came out <laughs> of his bedroom. And I can remember he lived in a ranch house and the, the couch was on the back of their living room wall. And you could look down the hallway uh, as I went back to the three bedrooms that are down the hallway. When he came out of his master bedroom, Craig was wearing sweatpants, but he also had a terry cloth robe that was so worn that you could all and 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 and, and so well worn that you could see through parts of it. And I can remember the belt that tied the, the robe together. It was knotted. It was frayed. There was no hem left. Uh, it was very threadbare. And you know what my response to him was? I said, Craig, why don't you allow me the privilege or the opportunity of buying you a new robe? And his response to me was he said, why would I want to do that or have you do that? I'm just getting this one broken. Uh, <laughs> Most of the time, we get so routinized in our routines and our comfort zones that we do everything that we can to preserve those moments because they provide safety for us. They're like little touchstones every day. So I have this pattern for my life, and my wife has this pattern for her life. You know, when we get up in the morning, there's this thing where we have to let the dogs out, but I cannot wait till that coffee starts percolating <laughs> and the aroma starts filling the house. And then my wife graciously serves me by bringing up a cup of coffee to me 
and she gives me my cup of coffee. Now, what that does to my heart, it comforts me every day. It's like this day is going to be a good day. Coffee's <laughs> brewing. The coffee helps awaken my senses, but also the caffeine gives me the old jump start. But we do these same little routines every day. But what it does is it can be that comfort zone can become a time trap for us. And it is like living life, driving, looking through the rear view mirror. And you don't get very far when you're trying to go into a preferred future of where God is wanting to take you while you're trying to drive forward, but you're actually looking through the rear view mirror. And so while it's appropriate to occasionally glance in the rear view mirror to see what's behind you, and, and when I share these things, it's not like I want to say, you need to forget all that God's done for you. Right. You, you. You need to just, you know, disremember all that God has done. No, in no way. It's important that we understand that we need to look and reflect back. But if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to take me into new things. Behold, I do a new thing. Before it happens, before it comes to pass, I'm going to tell you of it. Because God wants to prepare you for what's coming. But then you have to take the spiritual risk to get out of the comfort zone and to allow God to take you into the future instead of allowing traditions and patterns of living that produce comfort for you to become a time trap where the tradition prevents you from going where God wants to take you. And also, if you're looking in the rearview mirror, which of course is not very safe to drive that way, <laughs> your vision is supposed to be forward, you miss signs for where you're going, yep. and you have to adjust how you're going, your speed of how you're going. That, that's ex absolutely right. That's why the church is going at such a slow pace right now, is we have thought that the, the existence and the goal, God's goal, God's purpose, God's intention for the church was to preserve our institutions, mm. was to preserve our tradition, to preserve the form. I'm going to just say something as we finish here today. I see so many Christians, even spirit-filled Christians, that they're wanting to see the Church of Acts reenacted. The Church of Acts was a very immature church. It was born in glory and power. Right. Yeah. But if you're going to try to reenact the book of Acts or reenact any other previous past revival, you'll end up being in some backwater mm -hmm. trapped from the main river of God because God's river is always flowing forward. Always. God is taking his people somewhere. And if you're, again, trying to drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror, the only way you can accomplish that is by slowing down so much that basically you're focused on the past and you occasionally glance forward but you're going to have to slow the pace so mm -hmm. down. The purpose is not to preserve a form. It's not okay. to preserve our institutions or our traditions. It's God's purpose for the church 
is to bring us into full maturity and stature that that our stature equates to the maturity and the fullness of Christ. That's good. That's real good. <laughs> thank you, Dave. We'll have to wrap it right there. I think you guys. This will stop it there. Well, guys, thank you for being with us today. If you'd like to see thank more, you guys. visit us at summitlifeministries.com. You can also see us on Facebook, Instagram. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you leave comments first, guys. Let us know what you think, but also ask us questions for our uh, Friday question and answer sessions. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Thank you guys and God bless. Have a wonderful day. Bless you guys. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.